Hello everyone, welcome to the first ever episode of Community is Our Middle Name, presented by Grampians Community Health. My name is Gareth Olver, and I'm here with you guys uh, for the next little while. I hope you guys enjoy the show. We're really excited to be to be releasing this. We're going to be releasing podcasts fairly regularly, discussing health and well-being and, and life in, in our part of the world, in regional Victoria, especially in the Grampians Wimmera. Of course, this podcast is presented by Grampians Community Health. Grampians Community Health provides a wide range of services across the Grampians area, including case management, including counselling, including carer support, including NDIS, support coordination, assistance with homelessness, drug and alcohol, gamblers help, you name it, GCH probably does it. So head onto the website gch.org.au for more information, uh, or you can uh, find Grampians Community Health on the social medias, and I'll give you all the social media handles at the end of the show. My guest today is Emma, who is a non-residential withdrawal nurse at Grampians Community Health, and we're talking about drug overdoses because this week is Overdose Awareness Day. It occurs on the 31st of August. And uh, look, it was a really interesting chat. I learned a lot. I hope you guys get a lot out of it as well. There's some uh, websites mentioned that we'll put some links up to as well, and we'll put them up in the show notes, and um, you can uh, do some uh, do some looking on there as well. But look, enough enough talking from me. Let's get into it. Uh, like I said, I'm talking with uh, Emma, who's a non-residential withdrawal nurse, about uh, overdose awareness. And just one final note as well, before we get into the discussion with Emma, of course, we are in lockdown here in Victoria, so um, you might hear my kids in the background at one point. I do apologise for that. Unfortunately, that's the joys of homeschooling while we're working and working from home, and we couldn't get together and do this interview face-to-face, which would have been perfect. We've we've done it remotely, so um, apologies if the sound is a little bit off. That's probably why, but anyway, the content is still just as good, so like I said, enjoy this discussion with uh, Emma about overdose awareness. Welcome, everyone. My name is Gareth Olver. Uh, as I said in the intro, I'm here with Emma, and we're here to talk about International Overdose Awareness Day. Um, Emma, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me, Gareth. I'm pretty excited to talk. Uh, yeah, me too. So this is actually our, our maiden podcast episode. This is This is the debut uh, episode. So you've got the, the good gig. It's very exciting for everyone involved. We, like I said, we're here to talk about International Overdose Awareness Day, which is uh, coming up this week. Emma, how long have you been doing this kind of work? Um, so I've been working within the drug and alcohol field for almost nine years now within our local community, so in the Grampians Wimmera region. Um, and prior to that, I do have a bit of experience within the mental health um, sector as well. And just out of curiosity, what was your main driving factor in, in getting into this, this line of work, into becoming, you know, a, a, a drug and alcohol uh, worker? So um, I'm a nurse by trade and something that I've always been passionate about is caring for the others and being really able to um, destigmatize the fact that our mental health and our physical health, there is no difference between the two. And so working within the mental health space, I realized not only is there a huge amount of stigma around mental health, but the stigma also then extends to substance use disorder and drug and alcohol. And I find that, you know, many of the clients, if like a very high percentage of the clients that I'm currently working with both have a co-occurring substance use disorder as well as mental health concerns. So it just seemed like a natural progression for me to come across into the drug and alcohol space. Yeah, and and look, I'm sure people don't realise, and I know you don't have the stats on hand, um, which is fine, just how big of an issue it can be in regional areas. 
I know before we started recording, you spoke about Australia-wide data that, you, that you've seen from back in 2018. Can you talk a little bit about, about some of the data from that? Yeah, so the latest or the most up-to-date um, overdose awareness report came out last year. So it's generally released within the next couple of days around International Overdose Awareness Day. So the stuff that we're looking at at the moment is, yeah, as you said, from 2018. But one of the staggering numbers that we actually have is... In 2018, there were 1,556 people who died from unintentional drug-induced deaths compared to 1,220 who died on our roads. So that's a um, countrywide statistic. So that's over 300 more deaths due to unintentional drug overdose than what there is on our road toll. And we see ads and campaigns and constantly people talking about this. But this is a, the unintentional drug-induced deaths is something that we don't actually talk about very much because it's not very popular. And, and when, when you know, you, you first told me that, um, that there was more unintentional overdose deaths in Australia per year than, than there was road toll deaths, that was absolutely staggering to me. I, I would never have thought that unintentional drug overdose deaths would be worse than the road toll because you're right, we, we do hear a lot. We do get bombarded a lot about the road toll and fair enough too. We need to be safe on the roads. But why do you think it is that we don't hear enough about these sort of things? Do you think it's something that people don't want to hear or too hard for them to hear? I think possibly, yeah, it is. It's not very popular. Um, these deaths are preventable. So just like the fact that we have all of these campaigns around wearing your seatbelt when you're driving a car, unintentional drug overdose deaths are also very preventable. We have medications that can reverse the impacts of them and we can also, you know, seek medical attention. There's all sorts of different things that we can do, but nobody generally wants to talk about it. There's a huge stigma around drug-induced deaths and I think a lot of people sort of see it as a back alley problem, somebody using heroin, you know, in the middle of the city. But the data actually shows us per, per 100,000 of population, there are more unintentional drug-induced deaths in regional and rural areas of Australia than what they are in our major cities. And as well as that, reports also show us that in Melbourne, in, in capital cities, we are looking at opioids being our highest drug-induced death cause and opioids being heroin. But when you flip that over into our regional and rural areas, it's actually prescription medication, so opioids that are then prescribed by the doctor. So some of those might be obtained illegally or legally, but it's actually from medications that people go and get collect from a pharmacy. Wow, that's and that's something that you wouldn't necessarily be the first thing that pops in your head. Like you said, I think for most people, when they they hear drug overdose, they do just assume it's the it's the junkie on the street corner in Melbourne. Um, yeah, that's that's incredible to to hear that about the um, prescription drugs. Of course, not all drug overdoses are fatal. When we're talking about uh, non-fatal drug overdoses, what what are some of the, the some of the negative uh, ramifications of a non-fatal drug overdose? So they can cause permanent brain damage. And so when you're looking at permanent brain damage, it can be something just as um, very small as, you know, difficulty with memory and cognition, but it, it can, can end up being in someone being in a vegetative state or having issues with your movement, balance, coordination, hearing, vision, speak, uh, spoken and written communication, and just being able to think and process information clearly. So for somebody who's had and drug overdose that hasn't actually been fatal. They may actually lose oxygen that's going to their brain for, you know, 30 seconds, one minute, five minutes. It doesn't matter what it could be. And that's going to cause long-term ongoing brain damage. And with each one, 
the brain damage then accumulates and becomes worse and worse. Yeah, and and, and the brain isn't something that will just repair itself. No, unfortunately not. We have some amazing organs in our body who, which can, but the brain is definitely not one that can repair itself. Absolutely. And that's, I think, you know, something that people need to be aware of as well, especially if anyone is going to be in a situation where they're perhaps choosing to, to take a, a substance that could cause an overdose, be it fatal or not, but um, the brain can't repair itself and need to take all the necessary precautions if that is something they choose to do. For those people out there wondering what exactly an overdose is, can you give us a bit of a, uh, shed a bit of light on what, what an actual overdose is? I know it's it's probably different depending on, on what people have taken, whether it's, you know, a, a prescription drug, as you mentioned, or something like heroin or even alcohol. Yeah, so realistically, an overdose is just when the body has more of either a single or a combination of drugs than it can handle. So it, that's the same with any drug. The difference being is what happens with each particular drug. So if you've got a stimulant, for example, a lot of people don't necessarily think of a stimulant kind of medication causing an overdose, but it can give you symptoms like you're having a heart attack, so that chest pain, shakiness, or even seizures. Then when you're looking at a depressant-quiet drug, like drug, um, you'd be looking at more your opioids, your prescription opioids, so heroin, endone, oxycontin, um, even things like alcohol mixed in there as well. That's when somebody will start to have, oh, sorry, and benzos. I have to add those in there. So it's when somebody starts to have that depression of respiratory, so that their breathing starts to slow, their heart rate starts to slow. Um, you may notice that someone is snoring really loudly, and that doesn't necessarily mean that they're having a deep sleep. That can actually mean that they are having an overdose. And then um, the blue lips as well can be a really big concern that they are actually having an overdose. So... so- what advice would you give to someone if, if, oh, if they think that they've got a family member, friend who may be at risk of a, of a drug overdose? What, what would you say to them? So my number one take-home message is naloxone. So um, it's something that we probably don't necessarily talk about very often and becoming overdose aware. So if naloxone is, we might see it in movies, we might have heard about it on TV shows, especially in America, you see the ambulance guys pull up to somebody who has had an overdose and will give them an injection of something and they might call it Narcan. So that's actually naloxone. And what that is, is a medication that we can give to people to reverse the effects of an opioid overdose. So if you have you know, a prescription medication. If mum, dad, you know, granny has a an opioid prescription at home, it's always important that they also have naloxone at the same time. And that comes in two formulations. That comes in a nasal spray now, which is really easy to administer, or an injection. And with both of those, whenever you receive them, we're able to give you some education on how to be able to use them and when to use them correctly. Yeah, and, and look, that's also something I mean, when when you and I spoke a, a week or so ago about some of this stuff, I didn't, I'd never heard of that. Yeah. And it's probably not that widely known around the community, is it? No, definitely not. And it is something that we can get a script for from our doctor and it's just over-the-counter prices. So we can get it over-the-counter, but it is going to be at an increased cost. But it is now covered under the PBS as well. So if you have a healthcare card, it's just going to cost you the generalised healthcare card costs. Um, and the, the interesting thing with our overdose stats is that the majority of the overdoses are actually happening for people over the age of 50. And so that is showing that this is not just a young person's problem. It's actually happening with our prescription opioids as well. And that doesn't necessarily mean that it's, you know, somebody trying to kill themselves or get high. It might be looking at the half-life of the medication. I've had my pain relief this morning and then 
I've forgotten that I've had it or I'm still in pain, so I have an extra one. And then I might have a glass of wine with dinner and the accumulation of all of those things might then cause it. Or I might be on an antidepressant as well as then having the opioids and then might have a glass of wine with dinner and the accumulation. So although the doctor's prescribed them for you and you're taking them as the doctor's prescribed them, it doesn't necessarily mean that it is safe. Well, and that that's a shocking stat to me that, that um, the people over 50 are sort of the largest group for overdoses because that, that is not the stereotype, is it? The stereotype is, a, is as we said before, it's a, a young person somewhere in the city who's overdosed on an illegal drug. It's, it's not a, an older person who's perhaps mm-hmm. overdosed on prescription medication. And do you think that there is enough knowledge around the groups that, that are most at risk for this stuff? Or is, is that something you'd like to see more in the media? I definitely would like to see some more in the media about it. There's um, some interesting videos and promotion that have come out through Monash University recently as a way to be able to talk to pharmacists as well as um, people who are taking opioids themselves and things like safe scripts have come in which has made it a lot safer so GPs and pharmacists are able to actually go in and have a look at certain medications that are high risk of overdose and addiction like opioids and benzos and um, they can see where they're actually being prescribed for each individual and where they're actually picking them up by the pharmacy and that's all about keeping us safe but in terms of the general population there's not a lot of education out there and as you said you're quite shocked by some of the things that we're sort of discussed and um, I think that's you know as a whole you work for a a health organization and you were shocked. (laughs) I don't work very hard that's the problem, I think, Emma. Um, I'd like yeah. to disagree there. Ah, oh, thank you. Um, but look, but unless it's an area that it's obviously an area that you're quite passionate about, and um, I know in some of the other areas that uh, Grandpa's Community Health uh, works in as well, I've, I've actually learned quite a bit about some of the statistics, especially in regional areas, which don't often get discussed because I, I, I don't, I, well, I don't really know why. And we know that the drug overdoses probably isn't a glamorous subject for people to be talking about, uh, no. especially in the media. But I think it's an important subject that we need to, to get out. And you know, the, the more that we can get people thinking about it and checking for signs as well is probably a really uh, important thing to do. Yeah, definitely. And I think there's a lot of, um, a lot of scare around, you know, our opioids and, and drug overdose. It's, it's people are scared to have this conversation because they do, they do sort of think that it's the person in the alley with a needle in their arm. But unfortunately, a lot of these people that are dying from a completely preventable overdose, it's happening because we're not educated. We don't have the awareness of what we're actually taking and the dangers of the medications that we're prescribed. So how would you, how would you um, turn that on its head? For lack of a better term, Emma, how, what, what would you be doing if, if, um, if someone said to you, Emma, you're in charge of, you know, trying to stop all drug overdoses across the country, what would be the first thing that you would do? I think we really need to remove the stigma behind it. We need to recognise that, you know, it's not a problem that's just out in the back streets. This is everybody's problem. This is, you know, it's, it's something that it can affect your mum, your dad, your neighbour, your work colleague. It can affect absolutely anybody around you, your brother, your sister. And I think a lot of there has been a lot of work that's happened to being able to reduce the amount of opioids that are in our community. Um, and that's you know via things of more education around um, what opioids should be used for and reducing the amount of tablets per packets when you actually get your opioids. But I think whenever somebody actually gets a script of opioids, 
we need to have better education and understanding of what we're actually about to put into our body. Because often, you know, I know for myself when I've had, you know, high levels of pain and I've gone in to see a, a GP, I've been offered all sorts of different pain relief to be able to help with that which has been fantastic in what I've needed at that particular time but there may have been 10 tablets left over now I return that to pharmacy but not all people do that they might have a headache later on and they'll keep that and they'll take it and that's where some issues get started and I think also it's really important to recognize that opioids don't only work for pain the way that they work within our brain we can become quite easily addicted to them because they not only have a positive effect in stopping pain but they also have a bit of an antidepressant effect as well and that's where addiction can actually start yeah and that's probably not widely enough known as, as well um like i'm learning so much just from listening to this i hope that anyone who actually listens to this podcast will be learning a bit too Emma, we'll just take a very very short break and uh we'll be back in a in around 30 seconds to talk a little bit more about uh, overdose awareness so Community is our middle name is presented by Grampians Community Health. Grampians Community Health offers a wide range of services across the Grampians Wimmera region, servicing the northern Grampians, Arat Rural City, Horsham, Pyrenees, West Wimmera, Yarriambiac and Hindmarsh Shires. Services available from Grampians Community Health include alcohol and drug support, support for carers, community and disability support, including case management, counselling across a wide range of sectors, including generalist counselling, support for homelessness, support for gamblers' help, community and mental health. Grampians Community Health is also your local NDIS provider and offers support coordination and package management. For more information, go to our website, gch.org.au, or look us up on social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And you can always ring between 9 to 5, 53 58 7400 is that contact number. And we have our main offices in Horsham, Stall, and Ararat. Grampians Community Health is here for you, family, and our community. And we hope that you're enjoying this podcast. Welcome back uh, after that very, very short break. I'm here with Emma. We're talking about International Overdose Awareness Day and, and drug overdoses in general. Emma, can you tell us um, when did International Overdose Awareness Day become a thing? When did that start? So International Overdose Awareness Day actually started in Melbourne in 2001 um, through the Salvation Army by a lady named Sally J. Finn. And the whole idea about it was um, just to remember without stigma those have died and acknowledge the family and friends who have been left behind from these drug overdoses. Now, 20 years later, it's one of the world, well, it is the world's largest ca- campaign to end overdose. Yeah, how many, do you know how many countries just off the top of your head it's in now or, or no? <laughs> No, sorry, not off the top of my head, but you can definitely get all of that information from the Pennington Institute, who now, I think it's been since about 2012, they've been running the International Overdose Awareness Day campaign. And the Pennington Institute do a great job as well. I remember being at one of their um, needle exchange training sessions a couple of years back. They do a really, really good job. Now, you may not have stats about about this this next topic, but I'll, I'll ask anyway. Just from, from what you have seen as a worker, has COVID affected the number of overdoses that we're seeing um, in the community or just in society as a whole? Yes, that's a really difficult one, unfortunately. I was thinking about that prior to coming on today as to where I would get that data from. So realistically, at the moment, we're not going to be able to have that data probably until um, this time next year. 
So the, the next report will be coming out, and that'll be sort of covering 2019. That'll be coming out in the coming days, and the following one after that will cover the 2020 period. In terms of what I'm seeing the job that, in role that I do, I generally don't see too many people who have had overdoses. Um, through the needle exchange, I've done a lot of education around the nixoid and naloxone, and I do know there is more of an uptake in our community with that, and so which is fantastic because it means that there's more people, more of it out there, so more people can actually prevent overdoses. But in terms of the statistics itself, unfortunately, Gareth, I don't have them at this point. Yeah, and look, I didn't think you did, and I'll put you a bit on the spot with that one. So I, I do apologise for that, Emma. It's interesting that you've seen a bit of an uptick, though, in, you know, when you're doing the needle exchange stuff. Um, do you think it's a way that people are, are, are coping? I mean, you and I, as we speak now, are, are doing this, this recording over Teams. Um, some people might be able to hear my kids in the background because we're both at home in lockdown. Do you think it's had, it's had an impact of people, you know, maybe having more time on their hands? Yeah, there's definitely been an increase of substance use um, throughout our community. You can see it across all spectrums. It's, you know, really interesting talking to anyone within our community, whether it be clients, colleagues, friends, family. There's a sense of frustration and just really low mood overall because it's been a really long time. Previously, we could have said, you know, it was 2020, but now it's August almost. Um, September 2021 and we're still in lockdown and it still continues so sales of things like alcohol have actually gone through the roof we're also you know the people that I'm seeing come through are drinking a lot more but also seeking help earlier than what previously they would have so it is going to be interesting when it comes to substance use disorder and you know my program as to the amount of people who actually seek support for withdrawal in the coming months and years because of the conditions that they have been living in. But in the same flip side of the coin, you know there hasn't been the same access to illegal substances that we previously have had, and the cost of them has risen significantly. So you know the drugs that people are using is slightly changing to what they would have sort of done in 2018, 2019 area. So that's a, a bit of a double-edged sword really, isn't it? There's, you know, the, obviously it, it's good that there's less illegal uh, stuff getting about, but as we've spoke about earlier with the um, prescription medication overdoses, is it is it easier now for people to get their hands on things like that? I wouldn't necessarily say that it's easier. With the reduction of the illegal substances, the issue also is that those illegal substances that we do have in our community are cut with a whole lot of different things. So someone might be buying what they feel like is a stimulant, but it actually might be cut with something that's a depressant, which will give them a a different effect. And then again, increase their chances of having overdoses because they don't necessarily know what's within the substance that they're taking. The government's actually put in a lot of things, as I sort of spoke about earlier, to be able to reduce the problematic prescription drug use. So there is now what we do call the real-time monitoring system, which is Safe Scripts, um, and it has a system where whenever you do get a script for um, opioids or benzodiazepine, there it will sort of flag on that system. So both a GP and a pharmacist can actually look in and see, you know, how many of those scripts that you have actually had and where you have been getting them from. There's also a lot of education out there around what opioids are actually supposed to be used for. The data actually shows us, I'm not sure if you're aware in relation to the codeine rescheduling that happened a little while ago and they removed things like Nurofen Plus and the, the Panadine slash codeine tablets that you get over the counter, they were removed off the shelves and rescheduled. And that was just to show that the codeine substance within that wasn't necessarily as effective as what we had previously thought. And so now with 
the morphine-based medications were actually, or opioid-based medications, were actually recognising that for non-cancerous chronic pain, they actually don't really decrease the amount of pain that an individual is actually experiencing, even though you take them. So you get more negative side effects. And the higher the dose goes, doesn't necessarily take away any more of your pain. So there's actually better pain treatments out there now. Wow, that's another thing I, I did. I'm so glad that we did this today. I've learned so much. <laughs> glad um, you're learning, guys. <laughs> oh, look, and, and I think it is important because it's important that I'm learning and it's important that everyone's sort of learning about this stuff because it is something that is, as a society we really do need to not shove into the dark corners. We need to be able to sit there and, and say, there is this issue in our society. What can we do to help people? So I hope, hopefully people are getting some good ideas from this. And like I said, I've, I've, I've learned a lot from doing this podcast so far today. Well, where, where do you think we go from here um, with the, the overdose issues that we have, especially in regional areas with the prescription overdoses? Do, do we need to see some tightening up of regulations? Do we need to see uh, maybe different types of treatments being prescribed to people? What, what do you think we need to be doing to be able to just cut down overdoses and especially the overdose deaths across regional areas? I think education. So um, there's been a lot of changes in terms of, you know, as I've said, like the safe scripts and, and that has made a significant difference to the amount of opioids that are out there in the community. But I think, you know, when we, when we go to the doctor and we have pain, we often want opioids or we want something. We want to, we, we go to the doctor and we don't feel real comfortable walking out without something. Because especially when you have to pay them. And so actually having that education and, and recognizing, well, no, there's, there's more to pain out there. There's more treatments that we can actually do that doesn't necessarily involve a pill that we pop into our mouth. Um, you know, one of a, an amazing pain specialist that I spoke to one day, you know, said motion is the lotion. It's actually more around you do need to move. There are other things there. I have fantastic books, um, around the A to Z of pain relief that's has not one pill in there. So there's a whole lot of different things that we can do to be able to reduce and manage our pain. And pain is there for a reason. So we do need to investigate that and work out, you know, what the reasons behind that particular pain is. And if we can kind of get that education out there, get people to understand what we're putting into our body, what these medications actually do, understanding more around, you know, I'm a nurse, so I get the half-life, I get what that actually means. But just understanding more of that accumulation effect and destigmatizing overdose. You know, it's there, it's happening. And unfortunately, you know, the people that are left behind, they're still experiencing stigma after an individual has been lost. So they're grieving their loved one, but then they're experiencing stigma by our community. So we need to just recognize this is preventable. What can we do to be able to prevent it? Get Nixoid out there, have an understanding of what we're putting into our body and just really know what's going on, I suppose. And once we reduce the stigma, more people are actually going to come out and, and seek support and seek help. Emma, if people are, people are interested in, in learning a little bit more, what, what are some good resources that they might be able to find out there on the interwebs? So there's definitely a lot of, of interesting stuff. So starting with Pennington Institute, in within the next couple of days, they'll release the, the next overdose report. I understand that not all people find that you know, intriguing bedtime reading like myself. So they do bring out some small clips in just summarising the data and information, which can also be found on YouTube. Um, the Australian, Australian Drug Foundation have a lot of information on their website, just basic stuff 
around you know what an overdose looks like, different medications. They have a fantastic drug wheel on there. So if you're interested about having a look at any type of different drug and, and how it would actually affect the body. And Harm Reduction Victoria is fantastic. So they're actually running some Nixoid and Naloxone training over the, um, via Zoom over this period. And so, you know, you can complete the training. It will show you how to use it. And at the end of it, um, you can access some Nixoid or Naloxone for your own use. Um, and they also have some fabulous harm reduction and harm minimization approaches for any substance user. And we can put some links to some of those websites as well into the, uh, the show notes. So they'll all be in there for anyone who wants to go and have a look and see what they might be able to do, get some more information about, uh, drug overdose. Um, Emma, you, you said that the one thing you want people to take home was about the OP, anti-opioid reversal drug. Do yep. you want to just give that a bit more of a hammer before we, um, wrap things up? Just sit there and go, you know, overdose deaths are preventable. This is a worldwide crisis. People are dying from a preventable disease. You know, if it was, as I said earlier, car crashes, people are yelling and screaming. Why aren't we yelling and screaming about this from the corner, like from every, from the rooftops? So Nixoid and Naloxone are available from your local pharmacy. You can get a script from your GP and then you can then pick it up from the pharmacy. It is also available over the counter at a much higher cost. Um, Grampians Community Health can also assist in people being able to access Nixoid and Naloxone and you can ring out intake service and have that discussion with them. That that was going to be my, my next question was anyone in our local area who wanted to get some help to come and see Grampians Community Health, what sort of stuff can, can Grampians Community Health offer anyone who is looking for, for assistance, aside from what you just mentioned? Yeah, so Grampians Community Health has a lot of services within the drug and alcohol space. Um, we have, you know, non-residential withdrawal services as well as, you know, case management counselling, and that's for affected individuals as well as their family members. So, you know, Grampians Community Health are able to be accessed Monday to Friday, 9 till 5. But the other thing is that there are 24-hour services out there as well. So people can ring direct line. So you can um, call direct line on 1-800-888-236. Or for those who don't like speaking on the phone, Turning Point have a wonderful chat online chat service which you can utilise, and that's just by Googling counselling online. So it's, I think it's counsellingonline.org.au. Excellent. And like I said before, any any links that we mentioned during the um, any of these discussions, we'll put into the show notes. So anyone can, can go in there and check it out and get more information. Emma, thanks for being the first guest on uh, our, our podcast, on Communities Our Middle Name podcast. Have you had fun? I've had lots of fun. Thanks, Gareth. It's, um, I always get really excited talking about this sort of stuff, which sounds strange. I shouldn't be excited, but I'm just really passionate. And I think we just really need to get this education out there. So looking forward to spreading the word and hopefully your podcast reach um, far and wide. I feel honoured to be the first guest. Thank you. Uh, no, it's been my pleasure. And look, you can tell uh, just by speaking to you. And, I, and I've heard you um, I've heard you speak in front of bigger crowds than just this one person on a screen before. You, you do have a passion for it, and it does show. And I think that bodes well for people in our local community that we have passionate people who are, are, are there for the right reasons to, to do this sort of thing. So thank you very much for joining me. I really appreciate your time uh, and getting away from the homeschooling that we're both getting away from for this little bit of time. Yeah, thanks heaps for that, Gareth. I appreciate that one. Uh, My pleasure. Thank you. So there it is. 
there is the maiden episode of Community is Our Middle Name, presented by Grampians Community Health. I hope you guys enjoyed it. I, I really enjoyed putting this show together, um, and I learned a hell of a lot about um, not just what's available in our community, but also about regional Australia in general and about the instances of, of drug overdose. It's, it's scary, but it's also fascinating, and it's something we sort of all need to be aware of. We'll be back again very, very shortly with another show. Of course, uh, Grampians Community Health is the one bringing you this show, and Grampians Community Health offers a wide range of services across the Wimmera Grampians area. For more information, contact Grampians Community Health 03-5358-7400. We have main offices located in Horsham, Stall and Ararat. And like I said, a wide range of services from alcohol and other drug support or, or carer support or community aged care, uh, case management, disability support, including NDIS support coordination. A wide range of counselling is available, including generalist counselling and, and specialist counselling, uh, assistance with, with homelessness and gambler's help and community mental health. So much stuff. Check out our website for more details, which is www.gch.org.au. Now, we are also on social media, so facebook.com slash Grampians Community Health. You can find us as well on Instagram and Twitter. At GCH Grampians is the handle for both of those. And um, jump on and give them a like, and um, there's some some good stuff coming out on the socials as well. Finally, I'd just like to uh, acknowledge that this podcast was recorded, edited, and produced on the lands of the Jabalrung people, and we'd like to pay our respects to all elders, past, present, and emerging. Guys, my name is Gareth Olver. This has been Community Is Our Middle Name, presented by Grampians Community Health. Hope you've enjoyed it. Like I said, we'll be back very, very shortly with another episode. And so until next time we talk to you, stay safe, stay well, and uh, we'll be back again very, very shortly. So long.